Welcome to the Cosmic Love Antenna Podcast. This podcast is meant to encourage you to connect within so you can share your light with the world. And now, here's your host, Harrison Ma. Harrison Ma. Harrison Ma. Welcome, beautiful souls, to the Cosmic Love Antenna. I'm I'm many things today, but I'm really excited. One of them is super excited for this chat we're going to get into. This conversation we're going to flow into today is with one of my favorite people in this world. And I'm feeling a combination of excitement, but also very nervous, very, very, a lot of things coming up. And usually when I have these kinds of chats, this this feeling of things bubbling up is a sign of interesting elements that are going to flow through the conversation. So with that, I want to introduce this powerful soul that you're going to get to hear in a second here. And this is my my friend, my colleague, my mentor in many ways, uh, the beautiful Dr. Taggy. And Dr. Taggy is a naturopathic doctor. She's a spiritual healer, but she's She's a person and a soul that drifted into my world, you know, over the last year, which feels feels funny to say it like that because it's felt like lifetimes. But she is someone that, you know, here on this Cosmic Love Antenna podcast that I'm really trying to build and explore, she is really a energy and a being that expands and really leans into this idea that I'm promoting here on this platform. And I'm really excited to for you to get to listen to her today. So Dr. Taggy, welcome to the Cosmic Love Antenna. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you for this beautiful introduction. I feel like I want to steal it. That's how I want to introduce myself <laughs> for the rest of my life. It'll be a little um it'll be a little tag in front of every room that you get into. Exactly. How fitting, Dr. Taggy Tag. Dr. Taggy, I want to start this chat by getting you to share a little bit about who you are and why why you are here, not just on this podcast and having a conversation with me, but also getting in a little bit deeply because I know that you know we spend a lot of time together speaking about these deep levels and we could have many conversations going into many deep sort of tangents. But I want to start with a bit about your background, right? Because I think if people listening to this, you know, they get to see you a lot as the powerful light that you show up as, right? Currently, right? Whether that is in your practice, whether that is on Clubhouse, whether that's in your coaching, whether that's in, you know, all the ways that you show up in the world. But I want to where I want to get at is, you know, where this light came from. So I want to pass it to you now to give us a bit of a background and who Dr. Taggy is, but more sort of succinctly, you know, what are the what are the sort of pivotal moments in your life that you feel have have allowed you to share your love with the world so brightly right now? Um, thank you for this question. I think the thing that stuck with me the most in your question was where this light come from. And my answer, if I was talking to anyone, my answer would have been, well, you are the light. You know, it's basically being able to have their reflection. You can never have a reflection of who you are without having light. If there is no light, there is no reflection. And um, and I feel like that's a lot of, I came as that light. We all came as that light. And my experience on planet Earth 
has been a reflection of that light. And there was moments that has pushed me to go more into the light when I when I want to hide and go and pushed me to go into that shadow, beautiful shadow areas. And so a little bit about who I am, I think that you said, what is the things that have shaped you? And I think one of the, my most shaping moments at least in my healing was my own birth. So I had a very, my mom would say that she would have a very traumatic birth with me. My birth was not an easy quote-unquote birth. I always joked for a long time that I almost decided midway that I want to. I was like, oh, that was not a good idea. I don't want to be here. And um, and I had to work through that. I think that has was such, even as a child, we spoke about it so much that that was almost shaped me because I was like, what is, why is this such a trauma? Because it was forcing me to look into it as well. And um, so I think that was a big, because I started started asking myself this question since a very young age, since the moment that I literally came into earth, what am I doing here? And why am I here? Because apparently through that birth story, I didn't want to, and I shouldn't have. So um, that played a big role in the question that I asked myself as a little girl, why I'm here, what am I doing here? And I think that had helped me a lot into look inward. So I was a child that, speaking of the inner child, no, we're going to get there. But I was a child that was hiding a lot under the tables and playing in that imaginary world and speaking to imaginary friend. I had a whole other reality that to me used to be, as a child, they used to call it imagination. But I know now it was a part of how, how I connected to myself. So that's a little bit about my childhood. Um, but that all came together to lead me. If I'm going to talk about the professional part of this, it has a created a part of empathy in me, I think, as a young child, because I was a little bit of that black sheep or the weird one. So I started connecting a lot of people to a lot of causes that there are um, people that may be the underdog. So a lot of my work, even with my parents, with a lot of humanitarian work, and even as a middle school child, I was, you know, I was part of, I was friend with everyone. I really, I always had that humanitarian pull to make sure there is fairness. My thing was always about need to be fair. Everyone needs to be seen. And it wasn't until very recently, maybe the last decade, that I understood that my gift was to see people. The reason why it's my gift because my biggest wound was not being seen. So it's, I think that's a lot of that own light came from that. Speaking, I'm using that word reflection. I started with that for a reason is that when I'm not feeling seen, you're not having, you're not seeing your reflection in other people. And it's hard from a child to not have that reflection in your tribe when you look so, or you act, or you're being told that you're different. So a lot of that, my light coming to seeing my own reflection. Let me ask you a question with that not being seen piece. And I think, first of all, thank you for sharing all that. I didn't know that piece of you. This, it's funny. I, I'm lo- I've been looking forward to sort of getting this podcast rolling. And one of the things I was looking forward to is getting to know more about the people that I know very well, right? Mm-hmm. So it's, it's nice to have that perspective. I didn't know the child and the birthing process story that you've shared. The not being seen element, and we're probably going to get into this in a bit, talking about all things in a child. But, and maybe you don't remember parts of this, but for what you do remember, how did you as a child deal with that? How did you as a child 
deal with that not being seen? You talked about those 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 gifts and those things moving through you as that beautiful little taggy that you were, and then you had this element of not being seen. How did you cope at that time moving forward? Uh, I'm going to give myself a label because people will be able to relate to that. I am the middle child. So I, the poster child of middle child <laughs> of middle children, because, you know, middle kids feel like they're lost in the mix and they're not re- being seen. So I think it's a common wound. But in my case, I had two things. I either would hide and I spoke about me hiding under tables and naps and like, you know, like not doing my own little thing, like retrieving and being in dark places and all of those things that used to be my thing. My other thing was the other opposite. I was the entertainer. So when um, when I tell my parents that I didn't feel seen, they're like, are you crazy? I was a ballet dancer. I Every single family gathering, I had to be the middle of the attention. I had to, I was, I was the entertainer. I spoke with everyone. I was overly social. So this is also part of when you're looking from the outside, being like, how could you not be seen? You modeled, you did, you know, I was literally for forward in almost everything that I've done. And that usually is also a sign of trying to compensate of a void that you feel inside. So uh, I didn't feel seen for who I am. I was. So I was seen for who I am. So I had to, to create those different personas that I thought would get me that attention, either being the entertaining or being the silly goose or being the, the, um, the even as a teenager, the psychologist of everyone, you know, and being the therapist of everyone around me, because those are little masks and roles that I tapped into. And I clearly had a lot of them because I felt that was the only way that I could be seen because if I drop any of them, then it will confirm that belief system that I have inside of me that they won't be able to see me for who I was. Having a few little dominoes uh, just fall over in my head as I'm sort of relating my story to yours. And it's really interesting. What, and I, I want to ask this question and then I want to shift into something else here, but I think this is really important, especially if, if someone is listening to this that have heard, that have listened to us together speak a lot around the inner child. What was the moment where you saw this, right? So you gave the example of the dancer being the outward expression or the need and the desire to see me. What was the point? Was it a point? Was it a, oh, I realize that now I can make a shift? Or was it more of a, you maybe reached a point of the pain teacher coming in and it was sort of thrusted into your face? What did that realization look like for you? I um, I think we're all lucky. I'm going to talk about soul contracts maybe in this room, maybe in your podcast, but we have soul contracts. And I think that was clearly a wound that I came with. So it was part of my, and part of my lesson. So I also came with souls that made sure that I learned that lesson in a good and bad way. But I also was very lucky to have uh, still my best friend to this day, who was the first person who saw me without all of the mask and her reaction was like, oh my God, you're so amazing. Like, and I was like, wait, wait a second. So her reaction to seeing me without mask, which I would have thought would be complete, like, um, I wouldn't even, the word that comes to me is disgust, which is, I never even think of that. But like the word of, you know, who is she without all of those shine and all of those um, bling and whatever, you know, the external aspect and she had such a genuine, unconditional love to who I was at the core. And she 
genuinely as as a young girl did could not understand why I was hiding this. And I think that was the moment. I can almost remember it. I it was a moment when I was like, I like this. I like this feeling. Like I was getting all of the attention that I wanted, but I was getting that genuine like not attention reaction of feeling deeply seen and someone not running away. <laughs> so um I think that I, I know that it wasn't it didn't click in my head. It didn't, you know, it wasn't like transformative Mary Poppins moment. You know, it took it took a few decades of creating a dripple effect. But I remember that moment very vividly and I knew something at a cell level has changed then. The eternal mirror, the eternal mm-hmm. mirror in play. Ooh, something, someone's here, someone's seeing me, someone's seeing me in a new way, not a very superficial way, but a deep way. And then also realizing this, this feels familiar. This feels familiar in some kind of way. This feels familiar. It's something I haven't obtained for a while, but it feels familiar as if maybe, maybe I can do this. Maybe this is something, this love, this unconditional loving space. If that is in her, what is the thing that's inside of me that's responding to it, right? Mm-hmm. I might not be able to feel it right now, but in her beautiful reflection, something in me was ignited. A beautiful little transition here. And there are other elements of your story that I want to maybe get into, but I cannot not take this segue and this opportunity. A big part of this podcast, and I know I've shared this with you before, but just for people listening, you know, the Cosmic Love Antenna is the deep foundational unconditional loving space that we have inside of us that we then reflect outwards, right? With that little frequency of love goes out into the cosmos. So we can bring in all of the love, all the abundance, all the shifting, all the healing that we occur that, that we deserve. And love, love, I think is a word that a lot of people have a, how do I say this very nicely? Have a, (laughs) a very superficial understanding of. And you, Dr. Taggy, are, you know, you took that example of when you went through that experience of with that friend, and I'm sure you had other opportunities like that. You took that experience of love and then took a step forward with embodying love. So I want to ask you, for people listening, what is your definition of love? Um, I think I've said it many times, but my, my definition of love is, is literally who we are, is the essence of who we are. Um, we have a t-shirt coming out, people that says angels are made of light and humans are made of love. And I really, to the core, believe this, meaning that love to me is when you are in your essence and you're vibrating at that, that feels not real. It's not about a feeling. It's about the knowing and it's about, um, it's about an alignment. It's like you feel home. It's really about feeling home is that you feel so centered that if nothing around you existed, you will be complete and fulfilled. And that to me is love. It really hasn't, it doesn't have to do anything with anyone around you. Actually, it doesn't have to do, it's not love. It's not something, it's not a verb. You don't have, it's not an exchange. Love truly is a state of being and the being of who we are. 
So to me, that's the definition of definition of love. And when I'm in that state of truly vibrating at that right frequency, at that tagus frequency that is unique to me, that's when I'm at my best. And that to me, that's what love is because I am at my best because I am who I am. Outside of the conditioning, stripped of all of the weight and not working off balance, but working at that proper frequency. So that to me was love is, is being at your own frequency and being aligned with it. Can you understand, beautiful listener, why this person is in my life? <laughs> I think it's so obvious. I don't know. I don't know for me. I don't know how you feel about this, Dr. Taggy, but it's so obvious why, you know, just our, if you want to call it a soul contract, why our soul contract exists, right? Because it's, we have, we have the same definition. I was with a, um, I think I've shared this with you before, but I'll share it with for everyone listening. I was working with a client a couple of weeks ago and we just got out of a meditation and she was explaining to me what she was feeling and everything that was coming up. And we were going over the love, what you were just talking about. And I was trying to get, I was asking her, where do you feel it? What's going on? How could you explain it? Do you feel an emotion of love right now? And she's like, no, Harrison, this isn't, this isn't an emotion of love. This is a, I am love. This is a, this is a me trying to express that I am love. That's, there's a, there's a, and I get goosebumps saying it, right? It's because there's such a fundamental force behind that, right? There was such a fundamental force and, I'll share this quickly and I want to shift here a little bit here to talk about some other topics with you, Dr. Taggy. But we, I, I grew up in a very religious household. My, my parents weren't too religious, but I grew up in a lot of religious um, elements, influences, school, uh, you know, the culture I was in. And I, the idea of God was very, you know, there was something on it I couldn't grasp. That I just couldn't grasp this idea of, God, as as maybe my religion was describing it as, and I shifted away from that in my story. But when I was able to come back to that space of love, at that space of God, was seeing was interchanging those two words as I as I had a Freudian slip there. Right, it's God equals love, or love equals God, and it just makes sense, right? Does am I speaking? Am I speaking gibberish or does that, does that resonate? Oh, that 100%. <laughs> I mean, I think my, it's funny you said that because my first experience of that state of love or being love is that idea. I think it was in a meditation where all I saw was me floating in the universe. Like I was part, part of the cosmos and like there is gap and I was just floating. And that state was so peaceful but so me, like there was nothing else that mattered, nothing, like literally there was nothing. I, there was no ifs, no buts, no future, no present, no feeling even. It was just is. And I think that was my, that's when I, I realized we like humans are made of love and we, our, our way back is to remember that we are part of just a little floating energy in in the cosmos and that's that's what we are and and that frequency of that energy is love such a beautiful little image just floating in that in that in that black and dark but just entire loving little little void dr saggy i want to switch gears here a little bit because okay 
we're talking about all this stuff and maybe this is landing, maybe it's not, but either way, it's very abstract and esoteric, right? It's very, it's very deep. And as we promised, I told you we'd go there and we did. But one of the, one of the many things I love about you is that much like myself, you really have the goal, the ambition, the drive to make this very practical at the same time, right? You have the goal and ambition, and I think this is a big part of what you do as the powerful naturopath that you are, to make the spiritual blend in with all the other elements of what we are, right? We aren't just a physical being, uh, and we aren't just a spiritual being. We are a physical, mental, and emotional being too. And this is where I want to switch now to, because a big part of the Cosmic Love Antenna is one, tuning into that frequency of love within, but then also supporting the structure that is around it so that frequency can be strong and bright, right? And how do we do that? Right? There's many ways to do it, but one of your specialties that I would love for you to maybe riff off and see what's bubbling up for you around is the psychoneuroendocrine system or protocol that you so brilliantly and powerfully speak about. So I want to throw it back to you now. How do you think this triad, this dynamic really factors in, not only into this love conversation, but helping us be more of the beautiful, loving being that we've always been? I love this question. Thank you for asking it. Because the story of how I even came up with that word, I mean, psychoneuroendocrine system is not a specialty that you go learn at Harvard. It doesn't, it doesn't exist per se. Uh, until now, <laughs> so it is. Uh, it is some. It is a wording, especially that I came up with because my specialty was endocrine system to start with. Then it, I focused a little bit more on the neuroendocrine system because of the the symptoms that are linked with hormones that are that are affecting the nervous system, like depression, like neurodiversity, like anxiety, like cognitive function. And that was uh, kind of my specialty for a long time. However, I've seen even the limitation of the that specialty. And I, the way I explain it to my patient is, especially, I see a lot of women. So a lot of their hormones, a lot of their endocrine system, big part of what the symptoms is in that lower area. And I, as we're going up, we're going up and up and up to the nervous system, to the central part of the nervous system. And what happens when you go even higher? You go to the psyche. The psyche in Greek means soul and means spirit. So to me, it was just the continuous, normal continuation of my evolution as a practitioner. I focused on hormones. I started going higher and higher. And then my next ascension in my practice, where I want to take my patients, was to that psyche, to that spirit, to that spiritual aspect. Because again, they are spiritual beings having a human experience. And I believe that system is really that tunnel that is creating all of that um, communication between those two beautiful states that makes us who we are. So that to me, uh, it came really as a normal evolution of this. And, and it, I seen it in my practice. I've seen it in my own healing journey that I could not ignore it. It was really just, it wasn't, I did not sit one day and it was at my desk and I was like, oh, let me come up with something cool. It was really that um, evolution of my own journey, of my own patient, but also in my own spiritual awakening and my own connection to my higher self. So I want to bring, thank you for going deep into that. And I want to bring now in another element that I wanted to chat to you about, because I think, 
that sort of analysis and that progression that you've been through as a practitioner to teach this sort of thing makes a lot of sense. But now I want to make it even more practical for people. Like how do we, so let's use the example of the hormones, right? What rate, what, in your opinion, what role do they play in say, so we understand, and this is maybe something that people have heard me speak about a lot and you speak about is that we are, we are a spiritual being having a human experience. What role do the hormones play? And another element I'm going to bring in now, in your opinion, what role do the chakras play in putting all these little dots together, right? So the human being, the spiritual being, the hormones, and then you have this other framework that's seemingly isolated called the chakra system. How does, how does all that play a role together? So I spoke about the word vessel at the beginning as a tunnel in between in, in the center on purpose because I, was, I knew we were going to touch on the chakras because that's where the chakras are. And to me, what is hormones? Hormones is the physical manifestation of the energetic communication between the chakras. So if you take your chakras and you check how they communicate between each other, the physical manifestation of it is the hormones communicating between your physical body. So that is what hormones are. They are literally that physical manifestation, that, that projection in the physical matter, in that 3D matter, just like organs are a projection of our different auras and our different chakra systems. So they are just that. They are uh, physical. I don't have a deeper. It's just that simple. No, yeah. <laughs> and it doesn't need to be. Like it needs to be simple yeah. and that, and that's how it should be. And you know, something, an element that I add to this to help maybe people make this even more simple, right, is that, you know, the, the hormones are the bridge between the emotional, mental, even spiritual realms and the physical manifestation of it, right? There's a reason, right, when you look at the chakra centers, there's a reason that most, if not all of them, also correspond to a hormonal gland, right? The thyroid on the throat, the adrenals on the lower two, right? The, the thymus, the, the pituitary, like, there's, that's not that's not a coincidence, right? It's all set by design at that central column. And the reason I'm hitting on this for people listening, and I'm really trying to pull out your expertise here, is that we are not a. And this is something I was going to talk about talk about you talk with you about later, but maybe it's it's meant to be coming up here. You know, the allopathic system versus the sort of natural, uh, holistic you know, naturopathic view of the world, they they seemingly butt heads a lot of times, to put it very nicely. And and I would love your opinion on this as fr- from your experience as a naturopathic doctor and what you've, you know, your journey thus far. I think one of the ways that it butts heads is this idea that we are a mechanistic machine that has symptoms that need to be treated versus we are a beautiful system of systems that dynamically works together across all spectrums. And the way that we do one thing is the way that we do all things, right? So what's, what's your view on this from a naturopathic perspective? And, you know, maybe talk about this clash that we often see. Um, I, I'm almost going to say there's three clashes um, just because the, the naturopathic m- model, at least the, the recognized one we is still very physical based 
The only difference is that it's using the body. So the allopathic me- method seem to seem to be very compartmentalized and very symptom based. So you come, you see where the symptom is located. You go to a specialist of that area and that specialist of that area zooms even lower and sees what the next step is the symptom and you get something to remove the symptom. So it doesn't recognize the symptom. I think that's what we bought with the natural, with naturopath and allopathic. It doesn't recognize the, the symptom as being your body feedback, as your body talking to you that there is something wrong. So in the naturopathic model, we look at symptoms as a way to dig deeper. We look at the symptom as the signal, the alarm signal telling us there is something in this area. The other area where we butt heads in when we look at it from a part of, I look at the body as a system. I was trained in a naturopathic school to look at the every single thing as systemic. Even, even though my specialty is the neuroendocrine system, I'm still looking at everything systemically. I'm still looking at the kidneys. I'm still looking at the gut. I'm still looking at the blood. I'm still looking at the heart. I'm, our answer almost to everything is everything is related. When my patient asks you, think this is related to this? Is my ear ringing related to my kidney? Yes. The answer is probably yes. So this is from a naturopathic model. Then there is what I call holistic, holistic medicine, which is with maybe taking into consideration acupuncturism, spiritual healers and stuff like that. And that realm, which is naturopath, Sometimes fall into it, sometimes don't, depending on their practice and depending on how they choose to practice. The holistic model, I like to people to listen about it from two things. Like holy, holy is that spirit, is that recognition that there is a spirit in you. And that becomes honored. And in depending on this, depending on the field, Chinese medicine, acupuncturist, it could be called meridian lines. It could be like she could be like, it's be called, um, Shakti could be called healing energy, mm. could be called spirit. But that's a little bit where I feel like there is, you know, I was talking earlier about those evolution. And I feel like that's also part of that evolution is that the only thing I'm going to say is that the allopathic method is called modern medicine for a reason. It's actually the newest, most recent um, form of practicing medicine. And I, I'm saying this because you, most of what have healed us, the practices, even in naturopathic method, even though we're presenting them in a modern way through supplements mm. or through a practical ways, or they are all from ancient medicine. They're all from ancient methods and anything from an ancient method has the wisdom of that trinity. And that trinity in this case is soul, mind, body. So even though I may be thinking naturopath that came out of Bastyr in the U.S. that may think that he's doing straight up physical, if he's giving you St. John's Worth or Ashwagandha, there is an ancient, there is an energy to that herb that is resonating with your energy. And that energy is something that even the practitioner or the doctor decide to ignore. Your body is not ignoring. Your spirit is seeing and sensing. And I wonder, I wonder what is another name for that energy that is behind all of that, that is, that is working at an all unconditional 
you know, you know, omnipotent, omnipresent. You want to uh, say state. it. You want to say it. <laughs> <laughs> you said it with the word unconditional. Yeah, I was like, you, you want to say. I can, I can hear. I can hear people raising their hands. It's love. It's definitely mm-hmm. love. So you can see. So that was beautiful, Dr. Taggy. Thank you for taking us on that that beautiful explanation there and that juxtaposition and the comparison and all of it. And uh, yeah, and it's it's what I'm so excited about looking into the future. To be honest, and I want to be very clear here for people listening. Both Dr. Taggy and myself also sh- share this view that this is not an or conversation. This is not a allopathic or naturopathic or that that Trinity type of model. This is a I see when I look into the future. I know you hold this view too, Dr. Taggy. Is I see a future where the integrative medicine, the allopathic model, where it is advancing in many different ways, can be brought into all of this, right? Because it will, right? That is that that Trinity. It has no if if God or love has its way, it has no. It doesn't, God says yes, right? So it's going to happen whether we feel, have our opinions on it or not. And it's about, okay, what do I use right now for this moment to take a step forward? With that, I want to shift gears here now to another topic that is still related to everything we're talking about, but is also an area where both me and yourself speak a lot about. And I want to give a bit of context here. When I speak of the cosmic love antenna, Right. The step one for me is really getting that frequency of love flowing back through us, right? Connecting back into our own deep sense of self love. So then we can expand outwards. And often, often one of the challenges we have to connect to our self love is the ego and unconscious, subconscious realm, right? Where a lot of our traumas, for example, can cause shadow. To be created can cause a disconnect, can cause a limiting thought pattern to run its course, can cause you know a protection mechanism from the ego mind to keep us safe, to keep us secure, but is sort of as a sort of side effect stopping us from expanding into our potential. And one of the ways that we can move through this challenge as a collective of things, in my opinion, is through inner child work, is through the inner child both recognition and also the healing power that it has as a, has as an inner relationship. So, Dr. Taggy, I'd love to get your opinion on this. Where do you feel both in your practice and the things that you do as a naturopath and as a coach and as a healer, one, where do you feel the inner child plays a role? And two, where do you think the inner child is important around this relationship with our own inner love journey? So I see the inner child as as being going back and forth between two different states. One of the states when usually when we are in that trauma, when we come to see a, a practitioner is when we are thinking about the wounded inner child. However, there is the wounded inner child and there is the nurtured inner child. And the beautiful part of this is that you have all of the tools to turn that wounded inner child into a nurtured inner child. And it's not an or conversation, like Harrison would say, is a wounded inner child that as you're nurturing it, it may still have some wounds, but as you're nurturing it, it's stepping more and more into the gifts of the soul. To me, the inner child nurtured is the gift of your soul. Because where it's sitting, it's sitting in that sacral uh, area or sacral chakra, which is the second one for around that hip area where there is also life force so that our inner child could also be that beautiful manifestation of that part of us that is very innocent 
that is very pure in the belief in our gifts, in our desires, in our dreams. But there's also the wounded inner child that represents all of those conditionings, all of those wounds. So especially in my practice, when um, a big part of that psycho neuroendocrine system, when I say psycho, is bringing everything to the inner child from a wound perspective and see how those wounds manifest itself in the patient, how they manifest itself from a nervous system perspective, how they manifest itself in a hormonal perspective. A very good example of that, um, I'm going to use a wound, let's say an abandonment wound or not being heard wound will be that you are not using your voice. You feel like you're shrinking, that your voice doesn't matter. And that in a wounded inner child may show up in a throat chakra that is um, now your throat is, you're not using your voice, you're not speaking your truth, you're not responding to that heart desire. Where I just so said earlier how the inner child does represent our inner desires as well. So when there is that repression, that's wounded inner child, we're repressing all of this, that will show up in the nervous system as being nervous, being having anxiety, having panic attacks, but it may also show up in the hormonal system as thyroid, hypothyroid, or autoimmune diseases. So this is one of the things when I'm using the, the inner child, not just for the healing, the emotional healing process of being gratified that you're finally being heard, that you finally recognize that that powerful voice that you are, but also how we can take it further to help heal the panic attacks, to help heal the anxiety, to help heal that thyroid, to help heal that adrenal fatigue and, and, and so forth. So that's a little bit where the inner child comes in in my practice. Oh, I love it. We might, we might have to do a podcast in the future where we just talk about the inner child, but just have an inner child session because there's so many, you said so much in there and there's, there's a lot of things we could break down, but I'll, I'll put that on pause for the future. But I do want to hit on, you know, two things that you said. And the first one is I want to make it very clear what people, what you were highlighting around the hormonal impact of the inner child. What does this remind us of? What were we just talking about before with the, 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 the neuro and you know, the psycho neuroendocrine system and the things that you sort of practice, right? Is that the hormones are the bridge, right? They're the bridge between the emotional, spiritual and the physical and the inner child often really walks playfully across that bridge, right? It allows mm -hmm. right through the expression of the hormones, through the expression of the throat that, you know, I was one of the things that I teach is that one of the, the core childhood needs is the opportunity to grief and grow. Right. And if we were not given that need, ideally through that throat chakra, right, to speak the words, speak our feelings, to cry, to evoke, right, emotion, which is energy in motion, does not just disappear, right? That, um, that grief that wanted to come up and out now, for whatever reason, based off external elements, usually that you are not able to express it, where do you think it's going to go? Where do you think it's going to hold that tension? Well, one of the first places, like you said, is in that thyroid center, right? That And look at what's happening. How is your body speaking to you that that needs your attention, right? What does that thyroid, what does that hyper, hypothyroidism, what is it trying to give you here? What is it trying to give you the opportunity to expand into? Which leads me into another potential rabbit hole and I'll, I'll see, I'll test you, see if you can <laughs> not... Uh, not go too deep, but either way, I love you. This is 
you know, this idea of, I'm, I'm very ha- happy that you said that the inner child is an expression of our higher self, right? It's an expression. It's a part of that true self, the, the, the soulful self. However, when the inner child becomes wounded, it often takes place in that ego side, right? So it's, it spends time in both. We often, we've talked about this in the past in terms of the spiritual awakening journey. And if you're listening to this conversation with me and Dr. Taggy, there is probably a high chance that you, you are a very, you're either a very spiritual person or you're wanting to be a very spiritual person. And with that said, you've probably run into this, I call, I would call it a limiting belief that the ego is something that needs to be destroyed, needs to be killed, needs to be transcended and put in the corner as a bad thing. Dr. Taggy, in your opinion, right, and I sort of just set it up there with the whole in a child element, why do you think that that is a challenging, unhealthy sort of mindset to embody? Well, because I think your ego is your best friend. It's, it's that very loving best friend that has a little bit of insight. So that is your best friend that wants your best thing for you and is trying to protect you but is dealing from a post-traumatic stress part. So imagine that friend of yours who doesn't get out much, who knows the world from a very limiting thing and doesn't see your growth. And is trying still to protect you from things that they have known that may have harmed you when you were five or three or 12 or whatever. And that best friend is really trying from the core, from the bottom of their heart, to protect you but that's all they are doing just trying to protect you they don't want you to grow they don't want you to leave the house they don't want you to experience anything because they're trying to keep you alive so that ego you cannot hate on some part of you that is full-time job is trying to keep you alive however you did not come you did not come from whatever heaven you fell from to come into planet earth to just breathe and that's it you came to grow you came to have a mission and you had came to do to learn lessons the ego may get you a little bit stuck in that fear zone the idea is to protect you but it becomes slave to its own fear and its full-time job is to think of the worst case scenario and how to dodge it and that's not a way to thrive and that's not a way to live. That's a way to try to survive. But you're not anymore in that danger. You're not anymore three years old. You're not anymore in vitro. You're not anymore from a past life memory that you're in danger. But that mind is so powerful, so loving that it has a database of every single worst case scenario that has ever have ever happened to you and your ancestors and it's going with oh she did this it means it's gonna happen and we need to really like i'm saying the word need to be very loving to that ego because even from a chakra perspective it's very important to be you would not meet your best friend with anxiety with anger you're not gonna need it with hatred you're not gonna need it with pushing her out or pushing him out you will meet them with love so when I am hearing my ego come out and have that yap, 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 you know, no, no, don't do this or whatever it is, I actually do meet it with so much love. And I'm like, I hear you. Thank you so much. I see what you're doing, but we're not there anymore. Like this is 
I'm not the same person. I'm not in danger. Everything is okay. I'm going to survive this. Like, trust me, I'm not going to put myself in a self-destruction matter to the, to my ego's defense. I've done it in the past. So he has a valid point, <laughs> but it's, it's those things. It's those things. And meeting with so much love help ease it and helping that reunion of feminine and masculine energy in a loving way. And if you had a child who is going into tantrum mode, you're not going to yell at it. You will try to go at that level, look at them in the eye, read with them and meet them with love and calm them down. So please, people watching and listening to us, meet your ego with love. It just needs some love and it will come down. Just waiting for you to let them know that they're okay. It's so beautiful. And it's, you know, again, we can come back to that love space, right? I think, I mean, it's interesting. I'm, I'm not sure when I'm going to release this episode and the sort of the series of things, but I'm not already noticing a trend of just this, again, coming back to this love theme. And I'm going to make sure people hear it. I'm going to make sure people hear where this love is showing up and all these seemingly isolated connections here. And I want to, a couple of things that you said, Dr. Taki, that I want to expand on for people. And you talked about the role of the ego with the chakras. And I think a lot of what people don't realize is that the, the ego is developed in the solar plexus, right? There's lower three, there's lower three chakras in general. They connect to our human being, right? And a big and that solar plexus first defines our, our our identity, the little self, the our expression, what makes me Harrison, what makes you taggy. And when we ignore the ego, when we when we we call the ego a bad boy and pretend to not love it, as you said, then we're also pushing away our self-expression. We're, we're also pushing away our self-confidence. We're also pushing away what makes us beautifully unique. And the other sort of caution I would add on to Dr. Taggy's beautiful explanation here of the of the ego and why we need to love it. I often see this in the sort of, again, in the spiritual world where we're all focused on connecting to samadhi and going to the oneness and being in that, that floating love space that you talked about at the start. And yes, it's a beautiful place to be. But if you, if you take the filter off, right, which is the ego, you take the filter off, but don't do, and you haven't done any of the healing, right, and you're not ready to take that filter off and you head into samadhi, then there's probably a high chance that a lot of stuff is going to come up that are going to, there's going to be very hard for you to move through. The example that I give is imagine you're driving down the road at 80, you know, 80 miles an hour, you know, 100 kilometers an hour if you live in Australia. And, you know, the, the, the wind on the windscreen is the consciousness, is the universe, is that love state of bliss. And the windscreen is the ego. When you take that windscreen windscreen away as you're traveling at 80 miles an hour, what do you think is going to happen with that wind as it as it comes into the car? Well, it's going to slam into your face, and if you're not prepared for it, it's going to cause a lot of shock, right? So this is, you know, it's interesting. I love your. I would love to hear your thoughts on this, Dr. Taggy. And I want to be very careful here, and I I don't. And this is maybe like a little rant, but it's coming up, so I want to share it. This is where I see the challenge with people going into plant medicine ceremonies for an ex as an example, right? And I think they're very valuable and they have their place set, setting all the things. But what a lot of people don't understand is this dynamic between consciousness and the ego. And when we take plant medicines, we're turning off the default mode network. So what, what's your view on this, Dr. Taggy? What's coming up around this and the ego and all of these elements? 
I'm going to go back to the love because I was going to speak about intuition. Intuition to me is our first sense. Is the first thing that we develop is the first sense we come with because it comes with our soul. It doesn't. It's not a sense that we get from the physical body. So an intuition to me is that heart space. For everyone here who is listening to this and be like, wait, what? I was gonna do. I was. I was gonna do plant medicine and and heal all of my trauma in 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 one weekend in uh, Costa Rica. <laughs> and you're like, why are you saying this? You. What I I really want to say about this is that. Trust, because even wanting to speed up your healing, that is your ego being scared of the pain. So you're ever acting from a fear place. Let's always go back to the heart and go back to the fear. Is this fear or is this love? I mean, that's literally as simple as I do it. When I'm Even when I'm attracted, even when there is a desire, I ask myself, why do I want this? Do I want this because I think it's going to get, get, add value to me, meaning that I'm lacking value and that's a fear base, or I am doing something because you know what? I just want to. That's it because it makes me happy. And that's about it. And that's the same thing for healing, even in my own journey. And I'm, I'm such a feminine energy on the outside, but I also have a very side of me that gets very like masculine and OCD and chop, chop, chop and stuff like that. And, and my healing wants to be like that. I want to be like, okay, let's do it. I am going to dedicate. I had a timeline dedicated, heal and move on. However, I wasn't, that's not listening to my heart. That's my mind, the ego taking over. So that's the same thing. You said something about that windshield or the, the windscreen, as you called it. Why would you do that? I mean, if you're thinking, if you are just driving and you look at the beautiful universe, why would you want to do this? The only reason why you would do it is because you're scared that you're missing out and you want it fast and you want to feel it. And you want, that is a scarcity. This is a lack mindset and the scarcity and lack mindset, even in spirituality is not going to serve you. So always go back to the intuition. So if I have one advice for anyone who's trying to heal, start with developing your intuition, start with developing that you have an inner voice and listen to it because it's going to guide you through it and it's going to make you trust the process and allow it to happen rather than seeking it because a lot of us try to go and seek the healing seek the spirituality seek the awakening rather than allowing it and dancing with the universe in a way that when it calls for you you show up you don't hide either. So there is a happy medium here. And it all starts with allowing and showing up for yourself. My friend, we could talk for hours, but uh, I want to close it here because I want to be mindful of your energy. And I, do, and I think that's a beautiful way to sort of wrap this up. I, I did want to talk about a few other things, but I'm already thinking let's do another episode if you feel called. And we can talk about, I wanted to bring up sexual healing and sexual energy, which I know is another passion of yours that you speak so beautifully about. And the inner child element is also something we could weave into that, how they connect, how they all flows together. But Dr. Taggy, before I sort of thank you here and we wrap this up, I want to, you know, I want to give you space now to speak a little bit about what you're doing in this world and what you want to promote because you know, big. I, I, if people go back and watch the first episode that I recorded for this 
this new uh, platform and experience and podcast that I'm creating, a big part of this is not just me sharing, it's getting to spend time with you and to see all the beautiful love that you're giving the world that helps us all ignite these powerful cosmic love antennas, right? Because this is not just a Harrison thing. This is a everyone thing. So Dr. Taggy, what are you doing in the world at the moment that you want people to hear about and to maybe ask them and challenge them to lean into that you are supporting them with? So um, I used that little analogy at the very beginning about you know, that my gift is to see in people. And uh, I was called once a lighthouse. The lighthouse, when basically you're just your lighthouse, you show the direction, people who are aligned with that direction will come to it. So a lot of what I do is shed that light so you can be on your path. And the main three ways that I do this is clearly in my naturopathic practice. Another way that I get to do with my, with my beautiful friend that's just happened to be here is Harrison, <laughs> is you, Harrison. And we do a self-love activation when we help healers connect and see that love and see that light back to self-love. And we are just that, um, at least talk for myself, that projector of putting that light because that's when you can see your reflection. I use that analogy in the beginning that you can, there is no mirror, there is no reflection, there is no shadow without the light. And so that's when I come in as that beautiful light so you can see yourself. And then when you know yourself and connect to yourself, you don't need the light because you know it's there. You have that sense of knowing. Another way that I do this as well is through the goddess health activation, which is a female tribe. And it's a female gathering of remembering that wisdom, that healing that is stored in the feminine body and in that wound. And it is not a, it's a female circle, but it's not about feminine energy. It's about that reunion and marriage and reconciliation of that feminine energy and that masculine energy. Because we talk a lot about um, the feminine energy and how we're shifting, but we don't want to fall back into what we did for 2000 years when there was a separation between those two energies both of those energies are wounded and i see it in my practice i see it in females body mainly and men's body how that feminine masculine wounds um and i'm hoping with a little bit of light and a lot of, a lot of love i can help people um reunite that physical body and remarriage their physical body with their spiritual body but also that feminine energy with their masculine energy I love it. And what I'll do is, and I'll message you about this, Dr. Taggy, send me all your details, all the links. I have I have a big chunk of them, but all your other stuff sent to me and I'll put it in the show notes. But um, thank you, my friend, for coming on and having a chat with me. I know we spent a lot of time together, but this was a new dynamic and I hope it gave a lot of beautiful insight and loving wisdom to everyone listening. I love you very much. Uh, to all the listeners, I wish you a wonderful evening, morning, afternoon, wherever you are in the world. My name is Harrison. This has been the Cosmic Love Antenna here with the beautiful Dr. Taggy and Rout. Bye, everyone. Thank you for listening to the Cosmic Love Antenna podcast. We hope you enjoyed. Be sure to follow Harrison on Instagram, Twitter, and Clubhouse at Harrison Ma. That's Harrison, M-E-A-G-H-E-R. Hey guys, it's Miriam Love here. 
and I want to share something very special with you. Check out my new release, All In, the Spanish remixes, out now on Electric Cast Records. And always remember, be love, share love, all love. Available now wherever you listen to music. Ever thought about starting your own podcast? Do you have a business or a message you want to share with the world? Well, now it's easier than ever with ElectroCast. Hi, I'm Mark Netter. And I'm Peter Rafelson. We're the founders of ElectroCast Media. Whether you want to start a new podcast or already have one, join ElectroCast to grow your audience, monetize your content, and build your community. With our simple sign-up, you get free promotion, world-class analytics, premium ads, and personal support. Go to ElectroCast.com and join our community today. Electricast, transform your influence. Electricast. Electricast.